And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football and I'm passionate about it. I spent 14 years in the locker room. I went to the playoffs 12 times. I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? Welcome back. Happy New Year. This is Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd. It was not a happy new year for the Indianapolis Colts. They ended 2022, and then they began 2023 in the exact same way by allowing another team to punch a playoff ticket. We just got back from New York, New Jersey. Hell of a trip for a lot of reasons. Uh, you had some travel troubles. I had some car troubles. It is what it is. Really nice day in the Meadowlands yesterday for the New York Giants. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, they punched their playoff ticket. The Colts were embarrassed again. They were absolutely embarrassed again. They were not even competitive. The score was 38-10. to 10. The record is 4-11-1. They have lost 9-10. of 10. They have lost 6 in a row under Jeff Saturday. And here, James, is probably the most telling stat in all of this. In three of their last four games, they have allowed scoring streaks of 30 points or more in the NFL. The Giants put up 31 straight yesterday. The Vikings put up 32 straight. The Cowboys put up 33 straight. And the game in between was the Chargers, which was never competitive. Where is this team at with six days left in the season? They're checked out, it seems. You know, there was some fight there in Minnesota, as you stated repeatedly over the last couple of weeks, that took something out of them and they haven't gotten it back. I think that's evident. I think that all of the ridiculousness of this season and just the moves that have been made have come to a head over the last few weeks. You're seeing why Jeff Saturday should not have been hired as a head coach for any team in the NFL. Obviously he was the head coach of the, he is the head coach of the Colts currently and he looks like a interim coach and not even that. He just looks like a, a truly bad coach. Cause I, we have fans who will continually say, well, they weren't doing anything with Frank Reich anyways. He had to go yada, yada, yada understand that. Like, I, I can kind of understand, hey, it was probably time to move on from him after the I think the both things can be New true in the same way both quarterbacks the last two years were wrong for this team. Exactly, but I think that you really hurt yourself by this is Jim Irsay, by going out and hiring someone who's just not experienced or qualified at all because the way they're losing it's not like we expected them to lose. That's what interim coaches do. Like, they really ever do a good job. But to lose, like, in record margins, and then every week the other team is doing something they haven't done in forever, you know, I believe it was the first time, actually the first time since 2019, that the Giants scored 30 points on offense in a game. That's crazy. And that's just the norm now for the Colts. Every week they're doing something. Either they're on the wrong end of history or the other team is, like, doing something they haven't done the in Giants forever. Giants are so, not, they're not an explosive offense. No, but they looked explosive. Yeah, they had no answers yesterday. They're very well coached. Dable's getting the most out of his roster. And conversely, Jeff Saturday's getting nothing out of this roster. I think you know that. I think these guys are checked out. You've been around this a lot longer than me. Obviously, everything I'm experiencing throughout my first season is, is stuff that I could have never predicted. And 
from what you and Chapman and Holden and others tell me, like you all couldn't predict it either. But during your time covering this team, and this is what you kind of wrote about, what has this season been? Like, where do you rank this among just seasons you've witnessed? And I guess you've covered some bad seasons, but just the context and everything that's kind of gone around this particular season. I'm old enough to go back to the 90s. Now, I didn't cover the team, obviously, but I can remember they were so bad in 1991 that Subway would give away free subs to anyone if the Colts won a game. Now, they only did that one time. Oh, man, wow. Because they went 1-15. But that was the Colts when I was growing up. They were absolutely forgettable, except for one really fun playoff run in 1995 with Jim Harbaugh. And then they were bad two years later. And then Peyton changed everything. And every everybody out there doesn't need a history lesson, but... This is the lowest moment of Jim Irsay's ownership to me, and I feel pretty pretty solid saying that. Anytime they've had years where they've had disappointing seasons, there haven't been too many compared to the rest of the league, but they've had a built-in excuse. I go back to 2011. Peyton didn't play. He was on his third of four neck procedures. He didn't play. Curtis Painter played. You're not going to win games with Curtis Painter. In 2017, Jacoby Brissett was traded five days before the season, and he was your quarterback. They were competitive in, in a lot of those games, and they went 4-12. In 2019, Andrew Luck retired 15 days before the season. They started 5-2 and two and then faded late. There's no excuse this time. This is, the, this is the roster that Chris Ballard built. This is the coach that Jim Irsay picked. And this team is checked out, and they are embarrassing. And this is a shameful, shameful season in the history of this franchise. There's no other way to put it. And I cannot stress this enough. This team is not tanking. They are not openly tanking. Jim Irsay can't do it. He cares too much about the sanctity of the game. And Jeff Saturday's trying to win. He's trying to show that he can coach. He can't. He can't. This team is unquestionably worse than when he took over. And like you said, James, every week they're on the wrong side of history. And you don't see 30-point runs in the NFL. You don't see 30-point unanswered scoring runs in this league very often. They've done it three times in the last four weeks. It is shameful. I told you guys after Minnesota they were broken. That loss broke them. And I talked to a couple of players yesterday, and they didn't disagree. And they're going to say the right things, and they're going to say that they're practicing hard. I don't care. I don't care. All that matters in this league is, is the results on Sunday. And this team has fallen to the basin of professional football because of the decisions by Jim Mersey, because of the decisions by Chris Ballard. And because Jeff Saturday is not qualified at all for this spot. And the thing that really rubs me the wrong way is they always preach accountability. They preach earning it. Chris Ballard always says, the locker room knows who you pay. The locker room knows who gets big contracts. Jeff Saturday didn't earn this position. He got it because Jim Irsay likes him. And that's a problem. And that has really shown itself over the last couple of weeks. I want to start here, James, with a very telling moment from yesterday's game, and a lot of people are talking about this. Nick Foles, blindside, gets smashed by Kayvon Thibodeau, completely unblocked. And Foles is down on the down on the field, writhing in pain. We could tell right away, right? He's grabbing with his arms. We thought his, the wind knocked out of him or worse, the ribs. It, it is a rib injury. And what happens? Thibodeau is literally doing snow angels for 12 seconds. I counted. I watched the video today. 12 seconds. And I think he saw Foles. He looked over and he saw Foles. Don't give me this crap that he didn't see Foles. But that's not the important part. The important part is the Indianapolis Colts offensive line stood above Nick Foles, watched this dude celebrate, and did nothing. That, more than any other moment over the last couple of months, tells me how broken this team is and how checked out these players are. They are. And I know Ryan Kelly, you know, afterwards said it was 
horseshit, you know, the Colts reporter basically um JJ actually got that quote from him. But that's after the fact, man. Yeah. Two years like, ago, Quentin Nelson would have thrown that guy into the third row of the bleachers. Yeah, and then I think the part that really shocked me was sometimes you'll see guys restrain if you know there's something on the line, right? Like, hey, I don't want to get thrown out of this game. I don't want to get thrown get out of this game. What's the difference? For, you know, next week, because that could be a playoff implication game. But like, you're not playing for anything other than pride at this point, And you showed, at least in that moment, that they took it from you completely. And I don't even know how you let a rookie of all. I mean, like, hey, I can see if the guy's like, you know, Lawrence Taylor or somebody who's very established, Aaron Donald, like some of these great, great pass rushers and, and great defensive players, Ray Lewis types, where it's like, man, you know, he's talking trash, but he's done it and backed it up for years and years and years. You got a rookie who's just openly taunting you. So I thought it was just weak that no one did anything. I know <laughs> Stefan Gilmore's wife, she always uh, is great on Twitter. She, she, uh, you know, posted like, you know, something like nobody threw hands like, you know, what's going on here? And I retweeted her. I was like, I what was did like, Jeff Saturday say today about it? Yeah, he, he said that he was disappointed that they didn't um, react. And he more or less said, like, you know, he didn't he didn't say this, but I know he was thinking like if it were me and that was Peyton Manning, if that was someone, Andrew Luck, if that was someone who I, you know, was uh, I take that back. Andrew Luck, actually, he wasn't here for that. But still, if if it was my quarterback you know, I would have done something about it. And I think that really bothers him because, again, you can – I think his whole selling point – not his whole selling point, but a big part of it is the toughness, accountability. We're not going to take any mess from anybody, and you did. Yeah, like I don't care. Like words don't matter. For 12 matter. seconds and longer. Words don't matter. If you can't sell that, what can Jeff Saturday sell, Zach? If you can't sell toughness, grit, fight, and just care – or want to, what can you sell? Because in my opinion, you can't sell anything else because on paper, as far as statistics go and wins and losses, nothing you've done in that category can help you, in my opinion, get the job or keep the job as the permanent head coach. You nailed it. You nailed it. That's exactly what Jim Irsay wanted. And this is part of a story I have coming out Wednesday of this week, kind of a deep dive into what happened this season and all the craziness behind the scenes. But you just nailed it. Like he was supposed to come in and breathe and be the Colts version of Mike Vrabel, toughness, accountability, all that football lingo. And in that moment, you saw how far they have slipped in that regard. And Jeff Saturday said, I'm going to have a talk with these guys later in the week. And maybe he rips them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because of how they responded in that moment. Cause that told you everything about where this team is at and about how far they've fallen from where they were. Jeff Saturday, you know, Jim Mercedes told me before that, Howard Mudd would light into guys if they let somebody touch Peyton Manning back in those days. That was an attitude. That was an attitude that they had. And they lost that in the early years of Andrew Luck, and they seemed to regain that when Quentin Nelson arrived and they started bullying people, and it's gone. It's gone. You've seen the video of Quentin Nelson getting pushed back seven or eight yards on yeah, Sunday yeah, with, a straight, was... with a straight B-gap rush. It's stunning, but it's not that stunning because we've seen it too many times this season. This is an offensive line that, as we've noted, is at the root of so many issues this year. The Colts are on their third different quarterback, and they're going back to their – it's just it's, – it's all too confusing. But that speaks to a lot, and I think you really hit on a really important point. Jeff Saturday cannot sit in that interview room with Jim Irsay and say, I made our team tactically better. He cannot say that scheme-wise we were better. 
Offensively, they're the worst in the league. 14 points per game on offense. That's lower than everyone, including the Broncos. But the other stuff is what Jim Mercer cared about, which is why he brought him in and skipped all the steps. That's lost. It's gone. And I have a little bit more that will enlighten on that topic with the story that's coming out in a couple of days. But what did you see in the locker room? Because I saw guys that were ready for this to be over. Yeah, one more thing I want to point out. So I wrote this the night that Jeff Saturday was hired. This is the last line of my column where I said that Jim Ursay's reasoning for hiring Jeff Saturday was because he likes him and that he respects him. And I, you know, caught a lot of heat for it. I get it. You know, Jeff Saturday is a very beloved guy here in Indianapolis. But this is the last line of what I said. This is a quote from Saturday. He says, I've got to earn it. He said about winning, this is in reference to winning over the locker room. I've got to earn it. Everybody, not just players, coaching staff, you've got to earn your place here. And I said that was a nice line to close out your first day on the job. But based on his lack of experience, he didn't. And now that experience and that earning it and all that is is coming back to bite you in the worst way, in, in tremendous ways, in ways that we've never seen before as far as point differential and things like that. I know you pointed it out, I believe it was, what, 86 points they've been outscored by in the seven games that he's been the head coach. I mean, that, that lets you know right there they have not been competitive, at least in the majority of these games. And then as far as the locker room goes, um, it was the same as it was last week and in Minnesota. I think the difference between Minnesota and the weeks that have followed is this, that everyone's kind of accepted it at this point. Like, this is who we are. They have absolutely We're not going to be able to do anything. It. I think that players are a bit more open to admitting how frustrated they are and how bad this feels. Paris Campbell had this, this great line where, you know, he was asked, I believe by Nate Atkins, Indy Star. He was like, hey, have you ever had a season like this, you know, where you're dealing? Have you ever had a losing season? He's like, no. And then he's like, not even going back to, he's like, wait, not even going back to, you know, high school. He's like, looks at him, looks at us. And he's like, I went undefeated twice <laughs> in high school. He's like, college, I went to Ohio State. So prepare us. It's like, I'm not used to this, just losing and losing badly and being embarrassed. And even talking to a guy like Bobby Okereke, who had a career high 17 tackles yesterday. And on one hand, you're like, wow, that's a career high. That's, that's a great amount of tackles. He was all over the field. But then on the other hand, you're like, wow, why was he on the field so much? Why was he all over the field? Why was he all getting all these tackles? Because they couldn't get off. Like the defense was always out there because the offense couldn't move. And after like bending and not breaking for much of the season, they're broken too. So I can't point to one. I mean, even Chase McLaughlin, who had been pretty good in field, he missed the field goal yesterday. I believe from like 47 yards or something like that. In all three phases yesterday, they fell apart. Um, it was never close. You know, the Sam Ellinger touchdown, which was the first of his career, actually, to Michael Pittman Jr. in the third quarter, Pittman's third of the year, that ended, I believe, a streak of 30 straight drives, you know, without a touchdown. You know, that, I got that stat from Mike Chap, the GOAT, as you, as you all know. But, I mean, come on. Like, these aren't even like super in-depth stats. You know what I mean? Like, we always have these different things like – DVOA and EPA, you have not scored a offensive touchdown in 30 consecutive drives. Anyone can understand how bad that is, given the fact that when other team scores, you get the ball back. It's not make it, take it. So it's tough sledding, and I think that uh, this team is just checked out. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost to the Texans just because the Texans have been playing better as of late. I know they haven't had the wins to show for it, but they've been actually in their games competitive. And I don't know, man. Like I know that a lot of these guys – really care about this. I'm not doubting that, but I think mentally, just as human beings, it's hard to stay 
locked in. I asked Zaire about this actually, and I, I didn't use this in my story, but I asked, I said, man, you haven't wavered as far as like the way you play, the way you carry yourself all season. Why is that? And he's like, it's how I was raised. This is how I grew up. And I said, but does that get heavy though? Like, does it get heavy to constantly have to come in here and own it? And, and, and more or less, I guess I was asking like, and not point the finger. And he's like, you know, Bobby basically told me, tells me all the time, heavy, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown, you know? And he said, basically, he said, I look at him. He said, we well, said, we make a play. He said, you come out the game, you breathe a sigh of relief. And he said, he said, another play happens or something. And you got to go right back out there. And he's like, you know what? Look at Bobby. And he's like, you know what? It's some bullshit, but F it. Like, let's go out there and just ball out. But like, if that's your mentality is just like, well, F it, you know, everything's messed up. Let's just go out there and play. That's not a good state of mind to be in. Like, it's almost like you're in survival mode. Like, I'll just figure out whatever I need to to go physically go out there and do my job. But I think the conviction and the passion and, and the and the will to do it at a high level can kind of weigh on you, even if you are a guy who's high character, like Zaire, like a buck, like a Gilly, where you're you're doing this stuff and you're not seeing the results or the fruits of your labor. So this is bad football. Like, I, I don't you know. That's my analysis, I guess, my expert analysis, but never could have imagined just, you know, them not having a chance against some of these teams because I don't think the Giants are all that great, but they looked, I mean, all world yesterday in every phase of the game. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Players know, like they know where this went wrong. Like I asked Michael Pittman Jr., like how did it get this bad this quickly? And he kind of laughed because he, he knew there wasn't a simple answer. And he said, man, 
we've been asking ourselves the same question. And, and Grover Stewart says, man, like we put ourselves in this position and that Grover Stewart Southern draw. And then Julian Blackman said something interesting. He's like, look, he's like, look, I'm not pointing fingers. Defense has to win in this league. The defense has to be humming. But the offense has to be humming. There's a difference, he said. And he says, you can't win games when you score three points. You can't win games when you score 10 points. That's the reality. <clears throat> and if the offense thinks that's taking a shot at them, well, you're the reason the season fell apart. And that's the reality as well. Look at some of the losses. Like they lost to Tennessee, you know, and I believe that that was the week that they, like Tennessee only scored like one offensive touchdown because of the pick six and some field goals. You know, they lost to Tennessee again, only giving up 19 points. They lost to Washington, giving up 17 points. Like these are defensive performances that you should have won, you know, in the NFL or at least not dropped four, of, you know, four or five of these types of games. So it has been mostly on the offense. But again, as I previously stated, it's just, permeated throughout the entire team now where like no one's playing well i don't think you can point to any union and say okay that's a bright spot no it was all very bad yesterday you hear a lot of the nfl like you got to believe in the guy next to you like you hear this on the offensive and defensive lines you got to trust the guy next to you they don't trust they don't trust the guy next to him they don't trust the other unit and why should they because every unit has had a role in this season falling apart mainly the offense why would you pick them to beat the texans how can this team beat any nfl team right now offensively i mean maybe they can score 13 points maybe do they trust anyone in the building like i mean i'm not being trying to be funny but like you don't trust the guy next but like do you trust the people putting you in position to play the game that's a big part of coaching right you hear players all the time talk about their favorite coaches the best coaches they've been around the best at the at the coaching position are the ones that put them in the best spot to do well to have success and Frank Reich, early in his career, was pretty good at that, at finding roles for guys on offense that would put them in the best position to succeed. Nothing, nothing of that sort is happening right now. And I wrote this yesterday. Every inch of this organization needs to be evaluated, Top scrutinized, down. and studied. And I'm not 100% sure Chris Ballard is back. I think Chris, I think Jim Mercer is going to look at everything when this is over next he Sunday. He has to. He I has really to. think he is. And I think he needs to look at his actions over the last couple of months and realize where it left his franchise because they're unequivocally in a worse spot than they were in early October. And again, that's not to say Frank Reich should have stayed. His hands were dirty. He went after Carson Wentz. He wanted Matt Ryan as well. Neither were the answer, and the offense was broken. But this team was not a laughing stock when Frank Reich left. They are now. So Jeff Saturday has proven not to be the answer as well. And let's dig into Jeff for a little bit because it's almost like his tone has changed the last couple of weeks because we keep hearing, well, you know, it was really bad when I got here. We've heard that more and more. Now, he's right. You don't walk into a great situation at any point if you're an interim coach. But he's almost seemed to, to say, you know, we're he said yesterday, we're making progress in other areas. Hey, I would love Where? to see him. I would love to see him because I don't see it on the field. And by the way, other areas don't matter. What matters is how you play on Sundays. And I just wonder, what is Jeff Saturday going to sell his boss come January 15th or whenever they interview on why he should stay. What credibility does he have right now with the way this team and this season has fallen apart? Even if he gets to build his own coaching staff, how much does that change things? Doesn't change much. I just think that if anything, he has to just own it. And, and the, maybe the selling point is that, hey, I got experience and it can't get any worse, I guess. <laughs> I not mean, a, not a good selling point. But like, Zach, I'm grasping for that. There's 32 of these here. jobs in the world. <laughs> I'm, I'm grasping at straws here, and I truly don't. Because, and I said this as a joke a few weeks ago. I was like, man, I wouldn't even give him an interview. 
And if I was Jim Irsay and I, and I had already hired him at this point, I would out of courtesy, but I wouldn't seriously consider him for the job. And I also said this previously, we talked about this as well. Jeff Saturday was, they tried to bring him on staff as an offensive line coach, as an assistant coach previously. And I guess the, the reasoning behind that was, you know, family commitment, don't have, don't have the time, things of that nature. How did that change? And like, yeah, you get offered the head coaching job and suddenly have all the time in the world. And so it just seems like he, you know, obviously wanted his opportunity, but didn't necessarily, you know, take the proper steps to prepare himself for it. And now it's blowing up in everyone's face. And I don't think that Jeff Saturday can be absolved of this. I don't think he should be shouldering all of the blame. Most of the blame, I believe, should be on Jeremy Irsay just because he was advised not to do this and he did it anyway. But, Jeff, you accepted the job. Like, you signed up for this. And I understand that you keep saying that it was bad when you got here. But it's worse. you knew that. Yes. And you came in. And now you cannot use the, oh, it was bad before I got here. No, they, they actually won three games before you got here. You won one. And honestly, I feel like you're playing, uh, you know, some of these teams, you know, Pittsburgh, Vegas. Like, these are games that more or less, I, I just feel like you were gifted a win against the Raiders because they're just terrible. I'll give you credit. You play well against Philly. But so we see the way this thing is kind of avalanche ever since Dallas in that fourth quarter. It's hard for me to make a case for you at all. And I know he cares. And I believe that. You know, he he will be a coach if he really wants to someday again, assuming he doesn't get this job at the end of the season. But I think it would have to be more the, the traditional route where you go, you know, and you be an assistant for a few years. You learn the ins and outs of an NFL schedule, because a lot of the times I believe he's still even now he's delegating and kind of just, you know, not winging it, but like just getting through it rather than like actually like growing from it. Because right now it's like you you don't have time to learn all the nuances because you're coming in and you're hitting the ground running. It's, it's very, very hard. That's what climbing the ladder is all about, right? And exactly. Talk to, talk to a lot of coordinators over the years, a lot of position coaches, about a lot of head coaches, about how much of a jump it is from OC to head coach, from DC to head coach. Like the amount of stuff that it gets added to your plate is unbelievable. And Chuck Pagano has been very honest about that. He felt he was more comfortable as a DC than a head coach because of all the extra stuff on your plate. And, and, it's not all football stuff. You don't get as much time on the grass. You don't get as much time to simply coach. You're more of a manager. You're more of an overseer. You're more of a company president. And that's the reality. And, and I've asked Jeff Saturday this, and I've asked a lot of players this. What needs to change? What needs to be fixed in this franchise? And to be honest, a lot of them are not ready to answer that just yet. But I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to ask it this week because I don't care what happens against the Texans. And I'm going to ask it Sunday after the game, and I'm going to ask it Monday when they clean out their lacquers because something's broken right now with this franchise, and it needs to be fixed, and it needs to be addressed, and I don't see an easy out, but they need to speak on that. And Jeff Saturday came here to fix things, and they are further broken than the day he arrived, and that's a problem, and that's a hard selling point for his future here. But then again, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in the building. They don't know what Jim Mercer is going to do, and I don't think Jim Mercer fully knows what he's going to do. I do genuinely believe that he is excited for the interview process to sit down with some candidates. There are some rumors, and our friends at The Athletic have reported that Jim Mercer would listen based on people that are close to him. Uh, Michigan's out of the college football playoff, so he has some time. Jim Harbaugh, you said Ursay. So just to clarify, everyone, Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Jim Ursay is not hiring himself to coach. Although, <laughs> hey, this season has taught me never rule anything out. <laughs> Um, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, the former Colts coach, Captain Comeback. You guys all know the story. I think he's at the top of the list if I'm making a list, but I'm not. Jim Mercer is. But the other thing I do want to add is 
they are drafting a quarterback in the first round. They are drafting a quarterback in the first round, and if they have to trade up to go get that quarterback, they're going to do that. That's the understanding that I have about how they're approaching this offseason. We'll see who's back. It might just be Sam Ellinger. They might have to go sign a veteran. They're not going to do the the veteran route where they trade for Derek Carr or anything like that. They're done with that. They might have to find a placeholder, but they're going to draft a quarterback, and, and I think everybody out there knows that. Yeah, and, and actually, I touched on this a bit in my piece from yesterday, and just as a note to everyone out there, I cannot just write about the GM and the coach and the owner every single week. Like, we have Zach, we have Bob, so um, we're not going to have three pieces about coaching and GM changes. So I hear you understand, like, the, frustra- the frustrations, but it's not like I'm ignoring like an issue or something like that. It's just, I'm trying to provide some variety. And in my piece, I just felt like one of my main takeaways from yesterday was, Hey, here's the giants who took a quarterback, gave him some time, you know, changed coaches and everything like that. But now he looks like the future, which the Colts had a part of, they had it with Andrew Luck. He was the dual threat, could pick up some stuff on the ground, could make all the throws. Obviously he was a special, special talent, but I think they've gotten away from that, you know, since he's, you know, retired, in the quarterbacks that they've had and, and with Matt Ryan, it really backfired where you're just seeing that the pocket passer quarterback who can't move, can't run, that's a thing of the past. That's just now how the NFL is going to be going forward. Got a nice comment today about, you know, quarterbacks that have won the last in Super Bowls. And it was like, well, of these last 10, only ones that are mobile were Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, that's great. But of the next 10, is it going to be that be like that? No, like, no, even like, I'll give you a perfect example. The Pittsburgh game, they were not better than the Colts. But I guess they were in a sense because they had a quarterback who, even if he can't throw that great, he could pick up a first down here or there with, you know, his legs. And I looked it up, true media stats. You know, this season, teams are averaging 24 first downs, you know, provided by their 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 quarterback scrambling and, and picking them up with their legs. And obviously a couple of these are probably QB sneaks, but they're 24. You know, a decade ago, it was 14, you know, when Jeff Saturday, you know, won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, it was 13. Yeah, and Peyton didn't get any third downs with his legs. Maybe a sneak every once in a while, but That's yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I, the NFL is changing, and the quarterback prospects you're seeing is, is changing as well. Like, very rarely will you see a pocket-only passer being the highest-rated quarterback in high school, college, or coming into the NFL. And obviously with the quarterbacks that the Colts, I would assume, want to target – you know, being Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, who played an awesome game against, you know, Georgia, probably the best game of his career and proved that he can use his legs um, like many have like, probably wished he would have earlier in his career, but he balled out. And you got Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. But even, I mean, that's just the prototype now. You don't have to be, um, you know, Lamar Jackson, but you have to be able to use your legs to extend plays, extend drives. And we've seen it before. You know, the great ones, a lot of the great ones are, are able to do that as well with, you know, you know, Steve Young and even Aaron Rodgers, who we wouldn't say he's a runner, but he can absolutely pick up a first down with his legs. And he's done it for years and years and been great at it. And so I just think that the Matt Ryans, the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Mannings, the data and, and the league suggest that those types of quarterbacks are becoming, you know, more of a relic. And I talked to Zaire Franklin about it, and a couple of defensive players. And like, yeah, man, like you want to know why it's so hard? It's because you can have everyone have counted for. And then he still can take off and run and you're still being gashed. So he was like, and then it also gives you an extra blocker. So, you know, that's the difficulty of it and the beauty of it. So I think that when the Colts were 
dealing with their own QB issues yesterday with the Nick Foles injury and putting Sam in there and Matt Ryan being inactive and Jeff Saturday not wanting to reveal who would be the emergency quarterback in that situation. On the other side, you saw the future. And then again, I don't think Daniel Jones is an elite quarterback. I wouldn't say he's a top 10 quarterback. But again, because he can run, because he can make plays with his legs, it shows you what the Colts need to go get. And even if they have to work with him, like the Giants did with Daniel Jones, I think it's worth doing that project because if you can have that happen, that's a really, really big piece to obviously what you want to build. And I understand, again, fans, that the offensive line is not good and they have to get a coach and probably possibly a GM and things of that nature. But I do think that obviously a big, big part of it is drafting a quarterback. And unlike a Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, giving him some time to kind of work through um, the growth process. That's the future. The Colts know that. They know that. The next QB that, that will be here, that will be the face of the franchise, will be a guy who can do both because that's where the league is going. And, and I know that they appreciate that and they realize that they need to get better at that. And that goes back to something last year. They missed this. And I think they overestimated this. But last year, the end of the season, which really was the beginning of this season, if you think about it, the way they fell apart against Las Vegas and Jacksonville, this is something Carson Wentz covered up a little bit. Now, Carson Wentz was terrible. He held onto the ball too wrong, too long. Like, look, I'm not defending that. But the line was regressing at the end of last year, and Carson's scrambling ability overshadowed that, right? He got them out of some, some jams. And people understandably overlooked that because his play as a quarterback was so bad in certain spots. But the regression started last year. And for the Colts to think they can just plug in a statue in Matt Ryan and it would be okay – that was really, really a gamble that backfired in their face because one, Matt Ryan still can't play and two, he can't move. So when the offensive line and the quarterback are both playing well below where you thought they would, I mean, wh where else would you start with the blame for this season, right? Those are the two position groups that have just continually sabotaged this season and that's where they're at and that's the shame of it. But they need to go find something that's completely different. And I'm serious when I say that every single inch of this operation, every single inch needs to be looked at and studied because the way they built this team is deeply flawed. Chris the Ballard contracts they've looking, handed out puts them in you. a bad situation. I'm not ruling out trades of major players. I'm not ruling out releases of major players. Guys getting cut depends on their dead money, but they're in a very interesting situation. And the way they've done this in the past, the past five or six years, the mantras they've leaned on, that needs to be blown up because it's not worked. And, and this season proves it. All chips in, Zach. This was supposed to be all chips in, and the chips have been like broken and <laughs> falling off the of table. Money in week two, man, when they went, to yeah, Jackson, like not able to be cashed in. You know, they're they're out of order. But I do think that, and I just want to drive home this point. Chris Ballard, talk about building this team. He has to, you know, feel a lot of this heat as well, just because. Again, looking at that game yesterday, it's like wow. Even if you had a Matt Ryan in there, the team is just built kind of backwards. It's, you know, your best player, if JT's healthy, is a running back. You know, your best defensive player is a linebacker. And like, that's not the NFL today. Like even talking to some of the guys on defense about the running quarterback stuff, they're like, hey, well, yeah, teams are countering that, but going out and getting these Ed Rusher, Ed Ru edge rushers, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce my, you know, English today, but edge rushers like, you know, Micah Parsons, TJ Watt, guys like that where they can, you know, they're lighter, they're not as big, but they can wiggle and move and, and provide pressure on the quarterback. So um, we'll see. I do think that this last game is just more of a, 
once it's over, the real season starts type of thing. If that's if I, that makes sense, I don't think that really serves as an end. It serves as the beginning of the real stuff because, as we know, the season was over. I believe as soon as they benched Matt Ryan, um, Jim Irsay kind of you know mandated that he got benched that first time. I thought it was over then. And it has been since then. It's just gotten progressively worse. So I think that, you know, the end of the season represents something new. And uh, we'll see, man. It, it'll definitely heat up as far as hirings and pro days and the combine and things like that. Sam Ellinger will make the start on Sunday against the Texans. I can't think of a less inconsequential game that I've ever covered. I mean, I, for the fans out there that watched every play of, of yesterday's game against the Giants, I salute you. For the fans that are coming to Lucasville Stadium on Sunday, I salute you as well because you guys are the real ones because this is hard to watch. It's hard to cover. It's hard to watch. It's hard to believe in this team right now and its future because it looks as murky as to wrap this whole up, it looks as murky as it's looked in 25 years. And I don't think that's a stretch. And I think the fans that go back further than even me, I think you guys would agree. It's just really hard to find a silver lining in this mess right now. But they do have a top five pick as of right now. They should probably make sure they lose on Sunday so that doesn't get any worse. But again, like I mentioned, I wouldn't rule out a trade up because if they see a guy they want at that position, they're going to be aggressive because they need to be. It's time to make that swing at that position and stop sitting on the sidelines. So 38 to 10 yesterday in New Jersey, lost nine of 10, four, 11 and one, haven't won since early November. It was a mirage in Vegas. It was fun, but then reality set in and the Colts Vegas was really, fun. <laughs> really got what they deserved. They, the, the decisions they made have left them in this spot. And I think a lot of people are coming to grips with that. For James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. Thank you guys for listening. Happy New Year. We have one more game to go. And then we have a whole lot that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. So stay with us. We have a lot to come on The Athletic, both written and the podcast that will react to the coaching search, the coaching hire. And there's a lot more to come. Trust me. Thanks for listening. You guys are the best. And we will catch up with you guys after the Texans game next week.